Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week, we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewen. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hi, guys. Hi, Sandy. <laughs> I'm Nat. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just jet lagged and a little bit daisy, but I'm I'm good. This um, is this is yeah. funny because usually we're recording in the morning, and I'm like, <laughs> it's usually seven in the morning when we do this. So I'm usually like, hey, and you're like, what? Because you've gone and like jumped around <laughs> and stuff. So it's like a role reversal. <laughs> I know, and I'm so tired. It's like this should be my five a.m. Like yeah. I'm just I'm ready for bed. I'm ready to sleep. But yeah. anyway, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I got a coffee in me. I'm gonna focus. Um, and let's get started. So before we get chatting, and we, I'm so excited to present this guest to you all. But before we do it, um, we do have to give you something amazing. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, we have a discount code for our listeners. We've teamed up with Wanderlust, and we have a 10% discount. And it's nice because they'll usually give this to studios or teachers for a specific event, but we have this for any. Um, Wonderlust event for the whole year of 2019. So 10% off any general admission ticket. They have some services that are premium, like premium tickets. It's pretty obvious when you go to the website. Any general admission, you're good to go 10% off for the whole year, as many as you want to go to. Um, so we'll put that in the show notes if you're on a device where you don't see them or you can't click on a link. Just go to our main webpage, natandsandyyoga.com, and it'll be either right on the homepage there, and I'm, I also already have it like in the navigation bar. So if you don't see it first thing, it's like 2019 Wanderlust discount in the little navigation bar. Super easy. Click through, go to the Wanderlust website, and from there you can apply your 10%. And 10% is like huge. If you guys have never done a Wanderlust, it's so, it's it's quite pricey. <laughs> I did one a few years back and it, it's it's a little bit pricey. So that 10% like makes such a difference and it's such a nice event to go to. It's so awesome to just be with like, like-minded people, jam, yoga, music, food. It's it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and That's how I, I got like into, um, I met Tiffany Cruikshank there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And Lulu oh, came, oh. Eric came with me and I, I wasn't planning on going to her class because there was another one that I really wanted to go to. But then I, I don't know, I changed my mind, got in really last second. We were at the very front. I might have even told this story. I feel like I told the story before, but Lulu like sat right on his chest. Oh, <laughs> it was so cute. And he was like, oh my God, there's like a hundred girls or a hundred women looking at me. <laughs> he was like devastated. That's hilarious. He's like, this is the best. <laughs> and then we did transverse abdominus, which was even better. But anyways, all right. Okay. Enough. So the other little code, little link that we have for you is for Rad Roller. Um, if you guys don't know about myofascial release, it's awesome. I personally teach a lot of it. 
And every time I do, everyone asks me, like, where did you get that stuff? Where'd you get the balls? Where'd you get all the sizes, all the different um, textures? Um, and it's from Rad Roller. So in our show notes, we will also link up Rad Roller. Um, they have a really good, like, lineup of products that you can just look through. Um, I haven't tried them all, but I, I the ones I have, um, I really, really do like. So go check them out. Um, go online shopping. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I use them, like, every single class with my private clients. And we have a podcast about fashion that's coming out May 15th, I believe. So kind of follow up. If you're not sure what we're talking about with the balls, you'll know then. (laughs) (laughs) Balls. All right. Last thing. Uh, Nat, take it away. Um, Okay. If you guys haven't reviewed us on iTunes yet, we would really, really appreciate that. So go over there. It just helps other people. Um, find the podcast and then it tells us that we're doing something that's somewhat useful so go give us five stars um, write a couple words doesn't have to be a long thing and um, also follow us on social media nat and sandy yoga instagram and all that jazz and you can sign up for our newsletter and stay in touch we just send one email per month link in the show notes or just go to our website all the things. I think we yeah. did it. Yeah. Whew. Okay. You did it. Well now we don't do Because if awesome. we do it at the end, like, I, we don't remember half the time sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're it's hard. Better. Being human is hard. Brains are hard. Yeah. They're difficult. Okay. Okay. Let's get to it. Um, I'm so excited. So who are we interviewing today? We are interviewing a colleague of ours, Elena Chung. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> How and, are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah jet lag. <laughs> Mix up. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so, the reason we pulled you on here, we asked you to come chat. So, I saw that you had, well, I mean, we're just, we're kind of in the same nerdy yoga world, but. Um, students of Tiffany, Crookshanks, etc. But you had posted on Instagram something about this thing called neurokinetic therapy. That's what it was called, right? Yes, that's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, that sounds that sounds dorky. I want to talk about that. <laughs> it's totally dorky. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So we're going to go, I guess we'll go into that today and we'll maybe go off on some other tangents and talk about um, working with people in different ways. Um, if other people, just to give people an idea, like we all met at our yoga medicine trainings and, um, so we're kind of like have like-minded interests, I guess, in, in looking at the body and, and yoga in general. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So I don't know, Sandy, do you want to start off? Um, well, I think it might be nice just to hear a little bit about you. Like, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I know certain things about you from Instagram and social media, but of course, like you're an onion, right? There's there's only so much that you see, and then there's more. <laughs> Best yes, compliment I mean. ever. I love being compared to an onion. <laughs> we all are onions. Oh, my God. But which kind Sorry. of onion? Like a red onion, a sweet onion. I just I gotta know which onion. Yellow onion, know. maybe. Whatever onion you want to be. <laughs> no. Okay. Um. It, awesome. So, yeah, a little bit about my background. Um, I started practicing yoga back in college. 
um, I went to like this really sweaty little place in the U district um, called Yoga to the People. Um, and basically, I started doing yoga because I had sprained my ankle rock climbing, which is a really big passion of mine. And that was the only thing I could do because I couldn't climb anymore for a little bit. Um, and then I started teaching full time about four years ago. And then I started studying with Tiffany about three or three and a half years ago. She had taught a hip module here in Seattle, um, which is where I live. And um, my background as a yoga teacher and as a practitioner is just that I have a really strong interest in the details and the minutia. Yes, I am very nerdy <laughs> and I love things that are dorky. Um, so a lot of my teaching is informed from this place of trying to understand the body, um, not just in the details, but in a really holistic way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, Sandy, you how like... How did you sorry, sprain just... your... Sorry, yeah, go. No, like, didn't you do something... Isn't that how you came to yoga? Was it a sprained ankle? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. I, I slipped yeah. off of my surfboard. I yeah, just really bad. Oh, man. Super sprained common. ankle yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, how did you sprain an ankle rock climbing? Uh, so I was... I primarily boulder and I had fallen off of the top of a bouldering wall in a gym Ooh. in Seattle and I rolled my ankle out. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. It brought me yeah, to yoga. I, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like, do you guys know what skimboarding is? Yeah. I don't know. So you, you rather than like a surfboard, when the waves suck like outside, you take like a, a little skimboard. It's like basically a piece of cardboard um, that floats that's like wax so it, it doesn't like sink. <laughs> and you hydroplane on the surface of the water. So you run really fast down towards the shore break. Um, you throw down this board, you step on it, and then you surf the shore break back. That's how I sprained my ankle. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah like a nasty fall off of a really fast moving tiny little board that's just on the surface of water. But yeah, yeah, that sounds really nasty. Welcome to the club of nasty ankle sprains. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's not do it. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm so glad it's over. It yeah. sucked. <laughs> so then how did you go from yoga into what well, we're going to talk about the neurokinetic therapy and and what is that? So my foray into neurokinetic therapy was actually my first training that I've completed outside of a yoga specific or yoga focused training. And the reason that I ended up choosing it is because I actually follow the founder, David Weinstock on Instagram. Um, and I was just yeah. so intrigued whenever I would read his posts, like, what is this thing that just seems so magical? <laughs> um, and that's what inspired me to take it going into it a little bit without having a complete understanding of how it worked, although I guess that's pretty natural. Um, but to give you an understanding, a brief understanding of, of what I understand neurokinetic therapy to be, um, basically, it helps you kind of cut away the extra information, maybe not cut away, but cut through to um, the deepest underlying relationship between musculature or muscles in a body that help you identify like non-ideal movement patterns. So, and I think that you guys would understand this, that sometimes when we look at the body or oftentimes um, it dysfunction, isn't just a relationship of this muscle is tight or this muscle is weak, et cetera. It's really like a neurolog. There's usually a neurological underpinning. So this um, theory and this way of working with the body helps you cut away the things that are not necessarily 
irrelevant, but maybe are things that are a victim of a per of an underlying movement dysfunction and helps you really get to kind of the, the heart of the issue, which can sometimes be hard. I found in yoga where it can be really easy. And I think it makes sense that we do a lot of guesswork. This is something where you can, it's like a, a means by which you can stop having to throw darts at a dartboard and hope it sticks. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's It's been really interesting. It's really challenging too, but it's good. It's a good challenge. Yeah. When did you do your training for that? Um, I did it almost six months ago. So it must have been early November of last year. And you started applying it right away with, do you work pri- with private clients then? I do. Yeah. So I have a handful of private clients um, and I was working, I use it with them when it's needed. And then I also have been practicing for my, cert- so you have to do a certification within six months of taking the course. So I was practicing in order to do that test and to certify as a level one practitioner. Yeah. So I've been using it on not just my private clients, but just on all of the people I can get my hands on. <laughs> um, can I ask, like, what does it look like? So you say like you cut through all of the, like, I, I almost think of it like downstream side effects of a neuromuscular um, sort of like dysfunction. Um, and so I know exactly what you mean, like something's tight because something else isn't perhaps working as it should be. Like, w- what does a session then look like to uncover that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, for me, especially being newer to it, one of the challenges with working with it coming from a yoga background is that it's really easy to superimpose what you believe the problem to be like into the situation. So Mm. um, I find that when I approach this with a private client, I have to not make any assumptions, Um, Mm -hmm. especially not make any uh, like yoga based assumptions. So what it will look like and often I'll work with people who have had a chronic pain. You, you wouldn't likely use this in, a, in an acute situation because there's just a whole host of other things going on. So I think this works really well with like chronic injuries. Um, but basically you would assess, I guess maybe it works best with an example. Um, so I have a friend who is a rock climber and I was working with him and he has some inner elbow pain, which might be called like medial epicondylitis perhaps. Um, And I can think of all of the muscles that relate to this, right? So you can think of like anatomy trains, like the myofascial connections, and you might not just think of the things in that train, but you might also think of antagonists. So you would start to, it's, so I think it's really fun. Like this is where the nerdy sciencey part of me comes out where I really think of it like solving a puzzle. So I'll think of like, what are all the synergists? What are all of the potential antagonists? What else could have a relationship to? And then you start doing some specific, it's a specific NKT protocol that I can't necessarily teach. (laughs) Um, But Uh basically you would start to look at, you would use muscle testing in order to figure out what is weak, what is not working appropriately, and then try to compare that to another muscle with other muscle tests. And then you work to essentially find a relationship between the two. And oftentimes it'll end up being something, it could be something you expect, but sometimes it's, it can just be like completely um, unobvious. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like a lot of muscle testing and then maybe like almost like a, you create a theory and then you try it out. Is that, is that? Yes, that's, and that's how I've been working being new to it. I think once you are more experienced, you will probably 
not have to like think as hard <laughs> to get to that point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it definitely feels like I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what could be possible muscles that are related to this muscle? Um, and I think what I had ended up finding with this example with my friend with the inner elbow pain was uh, a relationship between um, his forearm flexors and his forearm extensors, where one was working in favor of the other. And then we had to kind of reverse that that um, neuromuscular patterning. Huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So cool. I want to do it. I want to do all the trainings. It's really I cool. I want to do it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. And I think um, one of the biggest eye-openers I took away from that is when you see like that there's pain or dysfunction in the body, you can't simply just address it by stretching something that's tight or strengthening something that's weak because that doesn't change how your brain decides to fire the muscles, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought that was something that I was like, oh yeah, what an obvious component. Like, I think that's something we can forget about so easily. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually a few years ago, I think like in 20. 17 or so no maybe like 2016 I actually like looked up NKT and I went and I bought the book there's like a, a muscle testing book mm-hmm. um and it's all pictures and muscle tests and then the first little bit um it's like one preface to it all um and I just remember reading that preface and looking through the pictures and being like what is this like oh my gosh I would not be able I could not put it all together like you're saying into a holistic program just by myself like this needs a training for sure oh definitely I think that the manual because I have the manual that you're talking about and it gives you the yeah. tests but it, it they keep like the magical secret out of it right like the, <laughs> the NKT right. protocol isn't in that book but the book is yeah I understand why you feel the way that you feel is what I'm trying to say yeah 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 but it's it's good to know that you did the training and you found it so helpful yeah. yeah, definitely. And it's just like a one or two day training, a weekend kind of course? Yes, it was two full days, Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And then I think I saw on their website, do they have like different levels of it? Yeah. So I've done the level one training, which is the introduction to it, of course. And then level two, it gets more specific. And I can't, I, I might be misspeaking this, but I think in level two, I feel like you start getting to stuff that's a lot more subtle in the core. Like you can start looking at like the diaphragm or you might start learning like really specific tests. And then level three is like crazy stuff like the eyes <laughs> and all of these really like specific things that you wouldn't even consider working with maybe in other capacities. It's crazy. It's really cool. That's awesome. I'm just like, I just want like a giant pot of money so I can do all the trainings that I want to do yeah I feel like there's never it's never enough there's never enough like honestly I could probably just make enough money to live and then everything extra I would train if my husband didn't like hold (laughs) me back like I the truth comes out I think I've probably spent more money on training than I've made in my yoga career. Oh, definitely. Yeah, me too. Just look at my taxes, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have too. Yeah. Um, one question. How does it compare to the Tiffany training since we've all done them? Mm. So this will be kind of um, – we'll have like a personal spin on it. But I think one of the things that st- stood out to me the most were like the type of people that go to the trainings – of course, in the NKT training, there's a ton of... I was the only yoga teacher there. 
first of all. Oh. Yeah, there was like massage therapists and like people who do like Astern patterning and um, like physical therapists, personal trainers. There were a lot of different people from the movement field. Um, there was like a, a Qigong practitioner, a teacher. Um, and the and that provided a really different and interesting kind of framework for me from a more personal standpoint. But then the way that it also differs from Tiffany's trainings is that I feel like it gets really nitty gritty. And, but it also might've just been that it was a smaller group. I mean, it's just a completely different topic also. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it's not that Tiffany's trainings aren't specific, but I mean, I guess they both give you a way in working with individual clients. Like I would say that they are similar in the way that they give you a really nice, smooth, like protocol with which to work with on an individual level. I think that both of them are harder for me to apply in to certain capacities in a group context. Oh, really? Like you're saying that you, you haven't found it easy to apply Tiffany's trainings to a group context? Um, I think, well, I guess in the way that I've taken like her shoulder and her hip modules and some of that. So yoga for athletes, I would not say so. But when we look at like the orthopedic modules and it's like, here are all these different injuries and how you work with those. I I don't yeah. often put those in a, a group setting, but I think that I take away a lot of like the different um, transitions or postures that we talk about and I'm able to integrate that. And the knowledge gives me a really nice background for which to choose to mm. sequence classes, but I um, some of the more specific orthopedic stuff I don't tend to throw into group classes. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. Right. She's, yeah. she's offering like how to also how to kind of do tests and stuff like that. You're just not going to throw down that stuff in a class. Right. But the general not the general knowledge is there in the in the group class. Definitely. Um. So when you're when you're applying this stuff to your students, I know you just started. Like you've just basically done your case studies and maybe a little bit more like are you offering this um are you are you offering this as part of like a private yoga class or is this like a class or a a session or is this a session where you're looking at um like pain and mobility and biomechanics and that sort of thing like how are you kind of wording that to attract people or offer that Mm. so and I think this will feel more clear once I'm officially certified. But for now, I tend to not necessarily advertise it. It's just something that will come up within the context of my private sessions. Um, And it'll only ever come up when people have a certain issue that's been chronic that they haven't been able to really address with a yoga practice. So right now, I think of it as a tool in my back pocket, as opposed to taking it to the forefront of what I'm offering to people. And I think of using that to instead of offering it as a standalone thing, although sometimes it does take a really long time to find a connection uh, in someone's body, even though I don't offer it as a standalone thing, it tends to be the way by which I'm able to decide what type of yoga postures um, I want to include or offer within the uh, private, a private class. Does that make sense? Like it sets the stage for what I'm going to do with yoga. Yeah. You're still using yoga as like your main, your main, um, I don't know, skill source of how you're going to move them around. But yeah, it's just a, it's a tool. It's an excellent tool. So then are you kind of like 
doing it like when you say sometimes it takes a long time to figure it out is that like within a session or is that like over several sessions you're watching you're doing little little tests and whatnot and then finally something uh, becomes a little bit more clear I think it can be both because sometimes the relationship is really simple or maybe um not just the relationship is obvious but maybe the nature of this person's um chronic pain is more simplified but there are certain bodies that I've worked with where it's taken multiple sessions to find the underlying cause or there can be different types of relationships um and the way that it was described to me in my training, which is a really helpful way of thinking about it, is when you look for the relationship between muscles, you're looking for the highest pair, just like in like uh, like in poker or something like that, right? Like you want to have the pair of aces. Um, and it's and you can find weaker relationships, but those won't tell you all of the things that you need to know. So those are things that are just um, downstream of the real issue at hand. So I really like this example with one of my clients I was working with who presented with a pretty consistent bicep pain and really long story short, after a lot of testing, we were able to find that the connection was not something that I was trying to look at first, which was stuff in the rotator cuff or stuff um, like in serratus or the rhomboids, but actually it ties back to whiplash that she had suffered in a really bad car accident. So we found a relationship between her neck extensors and her bicep. And once we were able to work with that relationship, she was completely pain-free, but she had tried wow. so hard to do like spot treatment, massage, et cetera, with some of the things that we might naturally more obviously conclude as the issue. Um, so something that I really like about this is that it is able to take that history into account. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to do this training so bad. I just Googled them and they're in Toronto later this year. You should go. You guys will love it. <laughs> I think they're like literally in Vancouver this weekend. And I looked, oh my and I looked and I looked and it's like tomorrow. I don't, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> Matt, just sign up. Do it. Do it. I want to so, there's so many trainings, but that one's like really high on my list right now. I think it was relatively reasonable. It's like, oh, with respect to like a high quality training is under a thousand dollars, I think. Six hundred oh, is it? Or, yeah. That's not bad. I think it is reasonable for like sure. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh. Ooh. I think there's one in Toronto in like September. Maybe I'll come over. Oh, <gasps> can you please? Can we do it together? That would be so cool. That'd be so, sick. so cute. <laughs> Sorry, we just like <laughs> We're just like talking. Um what I wanna know though is like has it has it helped you personally? Like, have you actually like tested yourself or had someone else test you and figured out something in your own body? Cause I find, especially with Tiffany's trainings, like that always happens to me. I'm just like, this light bulb goes off and I'm like, that's me. That's me. That dysfunction is me right there. I can feel it. I can like sense it. Like has, have you had personal experience with this guy? Yeah. So in my training, we, uh, the woman who was leading it would, show us all of the different muscle tests and she would use the students in the classes examples. So I had a, I had a, I feel like I had a ton of aha moments that weekend. Although um, the, the two that stood out to me, I thought they were just so interesting. And one of them, uh, we were looking at the relationship of the core and uh, to the toes actually. And it was so interesting. So she asked me if I'd ever hit my head 
really hard. Um, and when I was 10, I had gotten my blood drawn or something and I fainted and hit my, the back of my head on a concrete floor, like just like dropped. And it, it, I didn't get a concussion, I don't think, but basically that's something that I never consider to impact me now. Um, but then we looked at a relationship between my core's ability to fire and my toe flexors. And basically it had found that my brain decided because I had fallen backwards that one time that now my toes are like over, over firing for my core. So I'll try to use my toes because I don't trust that my core is working, not in like a conscious way, but in a, like a neurologically subconscious way. And I thought that was really interesting. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, so that one was really cool. And another one that I thought was really interesting relates to, as I mentioned before, I rock climb. And this one has to do with how climbing shoes – have either of you ever rock climbed before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No. You guys sound psyched on it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I actually really like it, but climbing shoes fucking suck. It's like so cramped, so like oh. I just looked I just like looked at those shoes and was like, no. (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. It's like the worst. (laughs) Um so right. So take that image and that feeling that you've had and uh just for climbers who wear those shoes all the time, we get used to it. Um and the way that it sort of turns your ankle and points your toe. It's really necessary for climbing, um, but it tends to have a relationship with your glutes. So she did a, a glute max test on me, and I was without my shoes on, and it was totally fine. I had a strong neurological connection to my butt, and then she put <laughs> I put the shoes on, and um, because of the way the shoes changed my um, kind of just the way that it changed the orientation of my ankle and my foot, I was no longer able to do a clean like glute max test. So basically wearing these shoes tend to neurologically turn off your glutes, which are really important for climbers. And climbers get a ton of lower glute upper hamstring injury pulls from uh, certain climbing movements. So what is interesting to me is that when I found that relationship, it's not like I'm like, well, I'm just screwed. I can never, I just have to deal with having a lazy butt when I wear my shoes. But you can actually, (laughs) you can actually change the relationship while you wear the shoes. So this is something that you can actually work on, which I think is even more inspiring than just knowing what's wrong is that you could probably fix it Mm -hmm. if you wanted to. Yeah. That's so cool. And that like just leads us back to the whole yoga thing of it all. Right. Like part of the cure, I guess, I don't hesitate to say that, but like part of the treatment, part of like turning on your butt while you're wearing the shoes is just like knowing that it doesn't turn on in the first place. Like, Oh my God, what a big revelation. That must've been so cool to see. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting and it's, I think it also clued me in to how, man, like bodies are so good at compensating for us. Mm. And I, I thought, and it was so interesting to Absolutely. see how people would have different issues and what kind of can present as something similar might be from completely different underlying factors or different types of relationships. And it, it really reminded me of like how much we don't see underneath the surface when it comes to injury or non-ideal movement patterns or dysfunctional movement patterns yeah yeah that's really cool it sounds like such an awesome tool um when you're working with your students one-on-one just i'm just like personally wondering do you are you usually do like an hour session or do you do a little bit longer or does it vary i think it will vary i think it's always at least an hour sometimes the first session especially if they've got a lot going on I mean, if it runs over during our first session or first couple sessions, that's 
that's usually just fine with me, especially if we're in the phase of investigating because it's so much fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I have I have one student where I see him for a two hour session on the weekend and then a one hour session in the middle of the week. And the one hour session now feels like so quick, like we just do some myofascial release and then like get him a little bit warmed up and then like. I don't know. It seems like not very long of some good standing postures, a couple sets of some things that we want to do. And then bam, you're back down on the floor, like right away. I'm like, Oh my God, an hour's not enough. But I know like you just have to fit in what you can fit in. And he says like, he feels a huge difference Mm. doing it. Um, And he has some things going on. Um, Well, he just has really tight pecs because he like works at a computer all day and used to just bench press like so much and that was his workout he always says like I used to just go hard chest and that was it (laughs) so now he's just like anytime it's like trying to get him to put his clasp his hands behind his back he's like oh my god I'm so tight so I just like wonder too like because it's so hard to like get certain things to fire um if there's like a little fast track method that's Something that I'm missing there. I'm sure that training would be so helpful for that. It It is, I think, really helpful. And also um, something that's really interesting about it is like it requires a really subtle hand because especially when you talk about firing a muscle, you're, you learn or you can find different types of strength, right? So you can look at the neurological ability to fire and make that connection. But if you pull really hard, really fast, and the whole body is compensating, especially if you work with someone who's an athlete or uses their body regularly, like you will see really quick how when you try to do a bicep muscle test, if their whole shoulder jerks and their whole chest jerks, that clues you into the way that they're using their body. So it's interesting. And then also you're testing not just for the ability to meet the pressure, but certain tests will tell you like their stamina or their endurance. So yeah, I mean, it's all really informative and really interesting. So it's a really soft test, touch isolated test. That's cool. Yeah, it, it was, it's really hard to, I don't think that I've mastered it. I'm, I'm still working on it, but it's, it's, <laughs> I'm better now, but it, it's really challenging because sometimes I feel like if you have the idea of like, oh, you know, I think it's this relationship, um, then you might try to like create that result for yourself, right? Or you yeah, go into it yeah. with, this idea of how it's going to turn out. So you're, so you're like, Oh, what, I want, I want to make it do that thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting yeah. that way. It's like, it's just like when you're learning to assess the body and um, like, I don't know if you remember like the first time you're kind of looking at someone just like standing in Tadasana or whatever, and you're assessing like any, any asymmetries that you can see or like, I guess sometimes we did it with Tif- Tiffany and group and I've or sorry, in groups. And I've done it in other trainings where you're like with a couple people, you're looking at someone's body and they're like, oh yeah, see her hip, see this thing. And then you're like, yes. But like, really you're like, no. <laughs> so been there. I'm like nodding along. Like I totally yeah. see what you're all seeing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's always that one person in the group. They're like, whoa, like look at this. And everyone's just like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> like until that's so funny. So you're trying to make yourself like believe it, and then but then eventually you do like you get that slight like that keen eye, and it's just the same thing like practicing that muscle testing, same kind of skill, just like the sensitivity will come. Definitely, that's so great, so great. Um, was it? Oh, I was gonna ask something else. Sandy, go ahead if you had a a question. I was 
something came into my brain. I oh, just need a I, moment. I was just like, it sounds so magical <laughs> and so awesome. I know it's, it's probably not magical and it's a lot of like going back to the books and studying and reviewing and being like, oh, what if I'm wrong? And then like retesting. Um, but do you think you'll ever do another Tiffany orthopedic module having done this? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, not just because I haven't finished my 300 hour yet, but <laughs> yeah. I need I need one more 60 hour. Um, but I, I guess it feels like everything works together. And I'm sure you guys have felt this where it's like you go through a training once and some of the information sticks. And like the more you learn, even if it's repetitive, yes. like it, it, it more and more sticks in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I, I feel like one of the things that was helpful for me coming to this training with the background that I have uh, with Tiffany is that um, I felt like I had a really good understanding of anatomy going into this and they won't necessarily require that you do, but it's, it's so helpful to have that more textbook understanding of the musculature because um, it helps you just be a little bit more specific. So I, I will say that they have really like helped one another in terms of how I view the body. Like it just provides a more complete picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you done a cadaver training? Yeah, I was at the one, the last one we did in Arizona. Well, you guys were there. We were all there. We were all there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, that, that one actually made me feel like I knew nothing. I was just like, I have a good grasp of anatomy. Oh, yeah. And then like Todd (laughs) Garcia walks around and it's like, no, but this thing is over here and this does this. And I'm like, what? (sighs) Jesus. Yeah, that was a really humbling and awesome experience. (laughs) Wasn't it? Yeah. It was good. Totally. I'd do it again. Yeah, totally. In a heartbeat. Yeah. If if I had that pot of, pot of money. leprechaun yeah. gold that Nat's talking about. Yeah. I'd Just manifest it, man. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Does money work that way? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying, though. <laughs> Go to YouTube. Type in manifest money. I'm sure there's like so much shit that will pop up. <laughs> Um, okay, so what I'm wondering is now when you're teaching a group class, has that changed the way you teach? Just maybe in in that more um, subtleness that you're practicing for, and of course, when you're doing the, the muscle testing, you're, you're physically feeling, but do you have like a more subtle eye? You, are you... Are you cueing differently to to isolate certain things when you want to or any effect there, impact? Yeah. I love that question. So a lot of the specifics that I learned in the training, I don't know that I would necessarily or I have not yet applied in the context of a group class, but I did have this really big takeaway Um more so that it was reminding me how important the role the nervous system plays in our in our perception of something like mobility or even strength in the body. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is one of the most obvious ones, especially in the context of a yoga class, is how when you're doing any kind of stretching or, you know, quote unquote, hip openers, whatever, people will try to like fight their bodies and you can see it in their face and they're clenching their jaw and they're throwing their eyebrows and they're trying so hard. And one of the things that I remember from this training is how much trying less does for you and how, what really creates that sense of softness and pliability in the tissues comes from 
your ability to relax the nervous system. So I really love this example that the teacher gave us, which is that when you put someone under general anesthesia, they have they can have perfect range of motion, right? Like you can tie the leg up behind their head, no issue at all, right? And that's because it's shutting down part of that nervous system response. So it reminds me that a lot of the way that we're able to engage with the body does have to do with our ability to calm the mind. And it's, it was really profound for me to learn that in that way. Like I kind of already knew that um, from a yogic perspective, but it's really, it was really cool to see it from something that's not in the yoga world at all. And to take that and apply it in my group teaching, I felt like that was really powerful. Yeah, that's like an excellent kind of validation of what we learn in yoga. And sometimes in yoga from things being taught and passed down without the scientific language, there's there's just like this lack of validation, you know, it's just like, mm, calm your nervous system or like not even just yeah. not even that, not even using the language of nervous system. And then it, it's hard to... I guess, kind of talk to people about why we do what we do without that scientific language. But you're like, we know we do these things that are so good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like coming at it from this other way. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's the stuff that I do. Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> totally. And I feel like it gives me so much more conviction in the way that I am able to encourage people to access that softer side of the practice. Um, yeah. Because I think people will very easily take to the benefit of a class that's more physically challenging, but they're not so quick to believe you when you're like, relax your face, focus on your breath, right? Like people think of it as just being kind of like yogi, woo woo, whatever. Not everyone, of course, but sometimes that is how it's received. So it, it makes me feel so much more certain, not just for myself, but in my teaching and the way that I portray and the way that I express myself. Uh, this link to being able to truly calm the nervous system and that effect in our perception of our flexibility. Yeah. And even the perception of our pain or stress or yeah. whatever mobility in the whole body. Um, I, I just like, I totally, totally agree. I think as I progress in my yoga journey, I've been getting more and more, like, like you said, um, convinced of the power of the nervous system with every training I do, um, every class I teach. Um, and Oh shit, I just had a brain fart. I was going to say something. I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the jet lag. Um something about Oh, that term that Danielle used, crystal tinkle, tinkle woo woo. What was it, Nat? Crystal yeah. yeah. Yeah, crystal tinkle woo. -woo. Yeah, like getting rid of that stuff in a way. Um and I, I've never really been crystal tinkle woo woo. Like I've never been really using that language anyway. Um, but now more and more so I'm going, oh, there she goes. Sorry, that's my dog. Hi, hi, tutu. <laughs> Everyone meet tutu. tutu. Dog thing is tutu. That's so cute. Yeah, like T-W-O, T-W-O. Gotcha. Because she had a brother named one one. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. It's really weird. Anyway, so using that that like <laughs> scientific, more more sciencey and anatomy language, um, I'm actually finding that it's really well received in my group classes mm -hmm. that especially when I speak of it with with like my purpose, right? Um, it, it is being really well received and like people are like, oh yeah, that totally works. I really love that bit of it that when you explain that, I'm like, okay, yes, I can keep going. I'm good. Yeah. And well, the thing about it is people can take it if they want it. And if they 
don't want that they can they're like i don't care what you said about my nervous system they can just ignore you but the people that are like why am i doing what i'm doing or like i'm not really believing that this breath is doing this thing or like i'm not believing that like softening you give them a little bit of um background to it and i don't know it just like holds holds better for them has more weight to it and mm-hmm. and like all of us, we all have gravitated to teachers like Tiffany and like Jules Mitchell and these people that kind of use science. So, of course, there is value in having that information available to your students. Like it's proven they've done it. We found them. Why won't other people want to do it? Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. And I feel like this might be a slight tangent, but I feel like the more popular yoga gets and the more people are practicing, there's like a certain population of yogis who are starting to be more discerning, right? So when you can explain why you're doing what you're doing and it's not just an arbitrary thing, I think that that is uh, really inviting for a lot of people. It's starting to be something that people are interested in. And I, I mean, just like you just said, Natalie, like that's why we've gravitated to our teachers. So it's nice to feel like it's something that's becoming more prevalent in the yoga world. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope too. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sandy when you and I put that we in a Facebook group like put a post when we were doing research for the um like is hot yoga detoxifying the body podcast. I think it was number four or five, episode four or five. Um, and then people kept just saying, We're like, we're looking for evidence, we're looking for science on this. Uh let's talk about it. And people say kept saying sweating detoxifies you and we're like okay sweet we've heard that also can you tell us more do you have a reference yeah. <laughs> and then say like, yeah, yeah it's been proven it's known I'm like well I don't really know about that and we're still kind of like I I maybe no I'm not sure like we sound, found some references that were not so convincing about that but still kind of like a lot of yeah. maybes but people are just like oh yeah it does it does like, yeah, um, yeah. There's actually quite a few. I was really surprised that they, they were like vehemently like, "Yes, sweat has been known to detoxify you." I'm just like, really? I don't know. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever heard of um, the the podcast called Yoga and Beyond? No. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They do. Um, they like get a. I think we've heard of this one, Sandy. They take a journal and they kind of dissect it. Yeah, they have a really interesting one on oh. hot yoga and. I don't remember anything about the study except they had people like swallow these internal temperature things. And, but um, the way that someone on the podcast um, kind of paraphrased the results was that like, Oh, you feel so good after hot yoga because your body's like, woohoo, we didn't die. Like your body thinks it's about to die (laughs) and you come out and feel better and you feel good because you avoided death. Like that's what someone said. And I just think (laughs) of that. That's so terrible. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I don't know that podcast. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I got to listen to this. This is, yeah, that's incredible. Well, this is just what happens in yoga is people find one reason to do one thing. And then they, like Sandy and I were just talking about that, but I think before you came on is you find one reason to do one thing. And that's the reason that's why you do the thing. It's like, well, let's look at both extremes. Like, okay, maybe hot yoga doesn't detoxify the body. Now we're totally gone on a tangent, but whatever. But but maybe it does something, maybe it like, it's not, I don't know, maybe you're doing like a warm yin or something that's activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay, so that's still good for you. That doesn't, doesn't mean don't do it because you're not detoxifying. Maybe you are detoxifying again, but 
Like there's so many reasons to do so many things. You can't just pick one reason to do or not do. You have to look at all these different angles in yoga. Your like nervous system, hormones, physical body, emotional state, like so much shit out there. Yeah. <laughs> that actually kind of like that kind of stresses me out because like, yes, there there is this like there is an urge. There's always going to be this urge to know more and to like uncover and to have a scientific basis to have like a research study done. And while that is very good, like, believe me, I am this, I'm totally for that. There's also like the overwhelm, you know, like there's only so much that one human brain can conceive of and hold into itself while walking into a one hour or, you know, 75 minute yoga class and to give an experience that, is sort of honest and true to what we know. So like for me, I, 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 it's, it's important to also balance that with like, okay, we don't have to know it all though. And we don't have to have everything proven by science. Even just, there is a lot of power to, um, what's the call It's like one person's experience. There's like a word for that. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know what you're getting (laughs) at. Like a subjective experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is like value in that, um, even if it can't be like written down and duplicated over like millions of people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think both of you bring up such a good point, which is that even though the science is really helpful in like validating and supporting what it is that we believe in, I think that if we only ever pursue something because it has had studies that have proven it we very quickly run out of options, right? Like you can't think outside the box if you're only looking at the things that have already been quote unquote proven or supported. Um, And I also, wow, you just, yeah, that you just summarized it so well. Well, while Nat and I just like rambled on. (laughs) You guys did great. Good job. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also that like, speaking to that last part of what you said about the the subjective experience, how like the placebo effect I don't, I don't care if it's a placebo, if it works in my perception and my well-being in my life, isn't that what matters the most? And I know that that can be argued against in certain cases, but I just think that like the value of how you are perceiving something and the impact that it has on you maybe supersedes what, not objective fact, but it's just important to take both into account. Uh huh. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so was some guy in one of the, these groups recently just like shit on static stretching so hard. He was like really rude about it, and he was just like, "We know this is like nothing for mobility." And da 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 da. I don't know if he was like yelling, but he seemed really grumpy. This <laughs> is typing. Like, you were like, "He's yelling." <laughs> he's yelling. You're reading on the internet. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was just like his to- his tone and his language, and um, it's like, okay, well. Statics were, he was like really, it was in a yoga group when he was talking about mobility. It's like, well, there's other reasons to do static stretching, like parasympathetic nervous system. I don't even know, like what else? My husband does static stretching and I'm for like all sorts of forms of stretching and movement. Like they all have value and I, I use all of them. They're great. But like my husband will stretch statically all the friggin' time. He's super tight. He runs and he says it makes him feel so much better. And I'm not going to tell him any different. Like I'm just like, he does it every night. He takes my yoga mat. He takes all my props and my straps and he's just like on the floor. He like was reading a book and he's doing it. And he's like, I run faster. I recover better. So like, I, I'm not going to go study like 50 people and tell him he's wrong. Totally. And then like other bodies that 
I probably shouldn't be doing that, but he's a body that like runs and sits. So anyways, yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more, one more ta- tangent. How did you get him to like get your yoga mat and do it himself? <laughs> because my boyfriend for the life of me, I, I will, he will not do anything. He would rather just sit on the couch and eat brownies. Brownies are good. I know, I know. I made brownies this week. So <laughs> sometimes he'll be like eating a treat and doing it. Maybe you got to like integrate them. <laughs> Do you have know. to remind him, or no. is he just like at the point now? Oh no. my gosh! How? Like I'll be doing dishes and he's in the living room stretching. That's amazing. He, he, he cares about his body, and he like he he's really into running really fast right now. He's pretty fast. Okay. Um, I don't know what this is in like American units but it's he's getting like under 40 minutes for 10k 10 kilometers wow. um, and he's doing the sun run here in vancouver actually at the time of this release he'll have just done mm-hmm. it um so he's like really into working out and doing his runs and doing stretching he comes to i teach at his office corporate class once a week um mm. and he does that and he's like always feels so much better so I think just having me mm. being there and him coming to my class fairly regularly and then he just picks up on the things he takes home the things that he likes mm-hmm. and he just does his favorite ones and yeah he says it makes him feel better and he's like oh I'm really stiff from this run or I ran and then I sat or I ran and then I was standing at my standing desk same kind of thing I don't know he just he's good like that oh that's awesome that guy's yeah. a keeper but it just yeah. yeah yeah but the yoga mat's just in our living room and out it stays out with all the props are like in little baskets so it's you have to have that space and that's probably part of it like sandy i think your space is a little bit smaller than mine oh but the yoga mat is out uh, okay <laughs> no excuses i don't know. like i swear to god he's I on know. it more than i am I think I, I maybe I have to just make it because so yeah Paul is motivated by like fitness and he wants to look good he wants to feel good um, and, and I think I just have to make it really clear that like actually you'll be more like good in the gym more good oh my god words you'll be better you'll be better you'll be better in the gym if you actually did something for your shoulders you know you would be able to lift more and you'll be able to lift more for longer if you did something regularly for your shoulders and just like oh do it my god okay yeah. anyway sometimes i'll <sighs> give him some assists and stuff like that and that's kind of nice to like i don't know put netflix on and pull each other around in the living room <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes i'm like here let me give you an assist and he's just like no it's too much and i'm like oh okay oh <laughs> he's like i'm too tight <laughs> poor eric <laughs> anyways yeah yeah that's good that's really good yeah i think i th- I'm good for questions. I'll probably send send you a message or something if I have anything else because my brain will just be like firing as soon as I turn the mic off. Oh yeah, every time. But, <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting topic, and I think it's so great that you're um, integrating that with your students and being able to offer like that with yoga. I think it's so cool. Definitely something I'm gonna look into once I find the monies. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we throw to um, Elena, like, is Elena, Elena, I can't, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, Elena. 
<laughs> is there anything else that maybe you want to like mention or talk about that we haven't covered like something knowing that our audience is primarily yogis and maybe even very young yoga teachers like not young in age but young in like coming out into teaching mm. are you asking me just from the neurokinetic therapy standpoint or just my own standpoint no just your own standpoint like anything that you want to Oh gosh. You don't I I know that I have a lot to say cuz I think about it in the shower all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best thoughts happen in the bathroom. I swear to yeah. god. There's something about it. It's like the echoiness and the well, there's hot just like, water and the fog. There's nothing else yeah. to do in there and then your brain just clears right up. Ooh, I also have really good thoughts while walking my dog. Mm, I really yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just go away. It's like, shit, I should have wrote this down. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I, I think I do have one thing. Um, I guess I would say that it, this is like my own personal soapbox. I'm getting on it right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think that it's so important as people who move our bodies, who move other people's bodies as yoga teachers, I do believe that we have the privilege to do that. And I think that it is our responsibility to learn as much as we can about the body, especially if we're teaching public yoga classes. Um, and I just think that the continuing education piece is so critical for yoga teachers that, and I think that it, it can be, often be the thing that is most lacking. Um, and also don't ever be afraid to say like that you don't have the answer to a question. I feel like those are the two biggest things for me. And just being really willing to be a discerning teacher, be willing to learn the details because, I mean, that's just, that's what distinguishes like the good from the great, right? I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like gravitate to what you are naturally interested in too. Like go ask those questions and find your teacher. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that you need to like learn the anatomy, but, you know, just acknowledge what it is that you know and what you don't. And the depth and the beauty of a yoga practice is that it's so all encompassing that it takes, you know, they say it takes lifetimes to learn and to understand all of it in its entirety. So just whatever you're interested in, like, go for that and then like really dig deep. Like that's what the yoga practice is for. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's been so nice to have you on to chat with you. I feel like you're like next door because Seattle is just so close to Vancouver. No, I'm just right down here. <laughs> just right yeah. down the road. Aww. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, are you going? Are you by chance going to the mental health module that Tiffany's doing mm, in the summer? I'm not currently signed up. I don't know if there are still spots left. I'm undecided at the moment. Mm, are you I, going? I could have like, yeah, oh, I'm cool. going to go. Ooh. If you need a ride, if you do decide, just let me know. I'll oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for sure all right I, and we said all of our things at the beginning so we don't have to do all that mumble jumble now yeah i think we're all good all right thank you guys so much for listening and um we will put all the links to all the random things that we mentioned any of the websites the the nkt and um elena's website her instagram um yeah, everything will be in the show notes. And then again, you can find it at Nat and Sandy Yoga if you don't have clickable link links in your show notes. And we'll see you guys soon, or rather talk to you guys soon. Yeah, have a great one, guys.